Welcome to the Women Governance Gurus podcast, where we listen to the journeys of women working in the field of corporate governance, their passion, struggles, and commitment to improving how companies and boards function. My name is Courtney Camlet, and my co-host is Liz Dunchy. Hi, everyone. Liz and I are both super passionate about governance and want to spotlight some of the amazing women who share that passion, hear what has surprised them over their career and various perspectives from different paths and industries. For this episode, we're talking with Ginny Fogg, recently retired general counsel of Norfolk Southern. Welcome, Ginny. Thank you. Well, I appreciate being here. It's great to have the opportunity to speak with you all, too, especially from two such prominent women governance gurus themselves. So it's <laughs> happy to be here. Thank you, Ginny. Thanks, Ginny. So you just retired from nearly 34 years at Norfolk Southern. So congratulations again on that. Um, the last you. 17, you're welcome. Um, the last 17 years of that, you served as general counsel. So tell us about your path to becoming general counsel and what changed over the course of your time in that role. Sure. Yeah, my path, I worked in almost every practice area in the law department. I got some very broad experience, which really served me well as I moved up and became more concentrated in specific areas. I eventually settled into ERISA and executive compensation and proxy disclosure. Then I decided to to go back to school and study at night to earn my MBA. I wanted to get more into corporate and wanted some corporate street cred. So that really opened some doors for me. I was able to move into financial disclosure work, capital market transactions. And once I gained experience in all of those core corporate areas, I had the opportunity to move into the general counsel position. What really changed that sticks out in my mind, the most dramatic change I experienced was seeing opportunities open up for women. Early in my career, I was usually the only woman in the conference room. I just kind of got used to it. That's the way it was. But that changed completely during the course of my career. I do remember vividly the first time I attended a meeting where everyone in the room was a woman and there were about 20 of us in there. I made that observation, and most of the women there just chuckled because by that time it wasn't unexpected anymore. Hmm. So that was a real positive change throughout the course of my career. Wow. You know, that is that is a great change to watch. So, Jenny, aside from just watching the opportunities that opened up for women, has there been anything else that surprised you as you've progressed in your career? Yes, it's hard to imagine now, but looking back on it many years ago, the growth of corporate governance really took me by surprise. I was in-house when Sarbanes-Oxley and Dodd-Frank both became law, which was a tremendous opportunity for me, a time of lots of change where we were really writing brand new policies and changing corporate culture. But at the same time, shareholder activism was growing, shareholder proposals were gaining momentum, so if you look at those two from opposite sides, opposite perspectives, in my opinion, that growth in shareholder activism in all its forms triggered far more significant changes than Sarbanes-Oxley and Dodd-Frank combined. During that period of time, many, if not most, companies declassified their boards. They implemented majority voting for directors, adopted proxy access, limited the use of poison pills, Corporate governance guidelines became standard, and I remember the challenges in writing them the very first time. So all these changes came about in response to shareholder activism. 
Um, so it's surprising how much the shareholder proponents were able to collectively achieve at a time when um, back then there was a lot of opposition to making these changes in the corporate community. Uh, it sounds like you really were learning a lot as things were growing and changing and shareholder activism was, was becoming truly, you know, some things that companies paid attention to and, and more in the boardroom. So that, that must have been really fun and challenging times. Yes, yes, that it was. It's interesting, too, to think about how corporate governance is still a relatively new field. And there are corporate governance structural changes that companies have made in response to shareholder activism that maybe are still a bit untested and unproven, even though we all talk about them like they're sort of well-accepted, good things to do. So I sort of wonder if there's still more to come on that. Yeah, I think there definitely is. Ginny, you also chaired the board of directors for the Society for Corporate Governance, and you've also been a nonprofit director. How do those experiences inform your perspective as a corporate governance advisor and vice versa? You know, those were both terrific experiences for me. Chairing a volunteer board really caused me to focus on the value of everybody's time and how important it was to hear everyone's opinion and really think about the contribution that everybody is making because it's not their job and they're not being paid to do it. So that coming together in, in one room in a board meeting, that collective wisdom is a real powerful thing. It's really important to create a board culture where everyone feels that they can speak up and contribute to a good discussion and reach a consensus on difficult topics. So that was really, um, really informed uh, my perspective on boards. These experiences also forced me to think more strategically with a longer term perspective, really need to look way out in the future and figure out how to be prepared for change, you know, maybe step back from the agenda more often. Um, one example last year, back in 2018, which seems like forever ago, <laughs> the, the Society Board had a strategic retreat while I was chair, and we identified sustainability as an area that was likely to grow in importance for our members and become sort of a standalone practice area rather than a part of governance. So we created the National Sustainability Practices Committee as a result of those discussions. And that really, looking back on it, has served as a reminder for me on how important it is to keep that long-term view of the risk and opportunities and try and prepare for change and, and um, be prepared for what's coming. Mm -hmm. and, and I was there, Jenny, with you. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a fantastic experience. You know, really, when you talk about the collective wisdom, that was that was it in action. We sort of took an agenda item and went a whole different direction with it. So it was great. Yeah, and it's, culture is important across the board. I mean, not just at public companies, private companies, nonprofit companies. It's it's just so core to everything. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's important. So speaking of thinking more strategically, What's one big challenge that you think people in our field should be prepared to address in the next five years? 
Well, I kind of, um, I sort of teed the answer to that question up already, but it's, it's clearly ESG in my mind. ESG disclosures gaining a lot of momentum on a, um, almost daily basis now. And the focus with climate change is shifting to science-based targets. I think it'll be a challenge for many companies to change their focus from disclosing what they do to instead actively changing what they're doing. Um, more importantly, the current focus is on continuously improving against the company's own performance and goals that they've set. And with the science-based targets, you really have to figure out how to reach the Paris Agreement goal of net zero by 2050 or even 2040 for some sustainability leaders that are really stepping out and trying to shorten the time frame. Um, but the bottom line, science-based targets are Difficult to set, they're difficult to measure, and they're very difficult to audit. Um, so companies are going to have have to collectively figure out how to do it and collectively reach the goals. Yeah, and difficult to incentivize. And it seems like a lot of companies are coming out now to announce that they're linking executive pay to achievement of these goals. But I think it's um, definitely challenging, like you said, to measure the data associated with that and to even decide what those goals should be. Right, right. And I think auditors are often not at the table until, you know, you're ready to disclose and put the report out. So Yeah, even internal auditors, I think there's challenges in, in getting those folks involved or some hesitance or reluctance around that. Right, right. I was going to say, I think the, the chief sustainability officer position is now, you know, like the the data privacy officer position was when GDPR came out. I think that's a key position at companies. Yeah, yeah. And the skill set is amazing. It, it kind of changes in my mind almost daily. You know, it started off as sort of, kind of lawyers really um, running the program on disclosing sustainability. And now it's really become more of an operational issue. And we need more scientists, engineers, mechanical people, you know, figuring out better ways to do things. Yeah, it's very cross-functional when it's done well. Yes. Well, this is an exciting time for you in your life. And we are, again, excited to have you here talking about us. And Courtney and I are both interested in knowing what your plans are for the next phase of your career. <laughs> well, I had a guess that you would ask me that question. And, and I don't have an easy answer. Um, right now, I'm really enjoying having some free time to pursue other interests. I like to cook, hike. I'm dabbling in photography. As a mindfulness friend told me, oh, I see you're tapping into your creative side. So <laughs> it's wonderful. Practice, yes. Um, I'm also serving in an independent advisor role for a public company board on a, a special litigation committee, which I'm finding to be really interested um, I am interested in serving as a director on a public company board, too, just for my experiences from um, being in the boardroom and chairing the society board. I think I really believe in boards and their collective wisdom and the culture of a good board. So I think it would be great if I could find something that's a good fit for my skills. So we'll see. I'm keeping an eye open and, uh, and mind open, and we'll see what comes down the pike. Well, you would certainly be a good addition to any board. Thank you. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what you do with this next phase. Yes. So one of the questions that we ask all of our guests is, 
What do you think women in the corporate governance field can add to the current conversation on the societal role of companies? Well, the short answer is a whole lot. Women in the governance field often have different perspectives, and I think we're uniquely positioned to facilitate conversations that can bring about real change. Women's perspectives on diversity and inclusion, pay equity, and on racial inequality are bringing real change to companies, and women in governance are facilitating those discussions in the boardrooms. So I think as companies focus more on societal changes in their own workforce, the natural next step is to focus more on societal changes in the communities they serve. And women in governance can provide valuable insight into that stakeholder-based, um, purpose-driven corporate outlook. Well said. Absolutely. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you. It was a pleasure to, to chat with you all. And thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Women Governance Gurus. And also a special shout-out to Benke Designs for our fierce new podcast art. So go check them out on LinkedIn. And please subscribe on whatever platform you use for a podcast. And we would love if you would rate us while you're there. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you.